Good morning and welcome to PepsiCo's 2023 second quarter earnings question and answer session. Your lines have been placed on listen only until it's your turn to ask a question. In order to ask a question or make a comment, please press star followed by 1-1 one, one on your touchtone phone at any time. You may, remove, you may remove yourself from the queue by pressing star 1-1 one, one again. Today's call is being recorded and will be archived at www.pepsico.com. It is now my pleasure to introduce Mr. Ravi Pamnani, Senior Vice President of Investor Relations. Mr. Pamnani, you may begin. Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everyone. I hope everyone has had a chance this morning to review our press release and prepared remarks, both of which are available on our website. Before we begin, please take note of our cautionary statement. We may make forward-looking statements on today's call, including about our business plans and updated 2023 guidance. Forward-looking statements inherently involve risks and uncertainties and only reflect our view as of today, July 13th, and we are under no obligation to update. When discussing our results, we refer to non-GAAP measures, which exclude certain items from reported results. Please refer to our second quarter 2023 earnings release and second quarter 2023 Form 10-Q, available on PepsiCo.com for definitions and reconciliations of non-GAAP measures and additional information regarding our results, including a discussion of factors that could cause actual results to materially differ from forward-looking statements. Joining me today are PepsiCo's Chairman and CEO, Ramon LaGuarta, and PepsiCo's Vice Chairman and CFO, Hugh Johnston. We ask that you please limit yourself to one question. And with that, I will turn it over to the operator for the first question. Thank you. Once again, in order to ask a question or make a comment, please press star, followed by 1-1 one, one at any time on your touchtone phone. One moment for our first question. Our first question comes from Brian Splang with Bank of America. Your line is open. Uh, thanks, operator. Hey, good morning, Hugh. Good morning, Ramon. Good morning, Brian. Um, good morning, Brian. So, so I guess, Ramon, my, my question is more kind of related just how you're looking at the, the bigger kind of macro picture in the consumer specifically. I think as we went into this year, you know, there was an expectation that elasticity would in, in, increase and, you know, there'd be more, you know, of a consumer response, I guess, to all the inflation we're seeing really globally. So I guess, it's, you know, it seems like in the first half, volumes effectively have been better than, than expected. Um, so I guess as we're kind of looking forward in the back half of the year and even into next year, can you just kind of give us a little bit of a, you know, some insight into how you, what you're seeing with the consumer, what your expectations are, and, you know, just how that may have differed from what we were seeing or what you were thinking maybe going into the start of the year? Yeah. Good morning, Brian. Yeah, so I'll give you two. Um, I, there, there are two areas where, <clears throat> which we're looking at very carefully. One is on the, uh, on the supply side things have become much better. Um, we're seeing much better flow of materials from suppliers. We're seeing, in general, better labor market, and that has helped us uh, to run a better company. So, you know, that, that's one area we're looking at very carefully. During COVID, it was, it was you know, it was not perfect. It's, it's becoming better, and that's why you will see that our costs are performing better and, and how, how we're Slowing some of the um, net revenue down into uh, into the, uh, the bottom line. On the consumer front, of, as well, we were um, we were planning the year with more of historical data on elasticities, both in developed and developing markets, <clears throat> and we're seeing in, in the majority of the uh, of the markets where we operate, we're seeing better elasticities, and that is 
that is continued to be during the first half of the year. Um, even though we're seeing lower income consumers strategizing uh, uh, around obviously optimizing their budgets, but we're seeing the majority of consumers staying within our categories, staying within our brands, um, and it's remarkable what our marketing teams, our commercial teams have been doing to minimize elasticities. Um, in, in, in some respects, is, is what we have been investing for the last few years. Our brands are, are, are stronger. The perceived value of our products are, is better than it was. And obviously, we've been able to raise prices and consumers stay within our brand. Now, we're, we're seeing consumers making some adjustments, right? We're, we're seeing consumers shopping in more stores than before. They're looking for better deals. They're starting to look for uh, optimization. They're, they're going to channels that have better perceived value. They're, they're buying more in dollar stores or they're buying more in, in, in mass or in clubs. So every, every segment of the consumer is, is, um, is, is making adjustment. Overall, we're seeing very positive, and I think it has to do with the levels of unemployment that we're seeing all around the world. Unemployment is very low in most of the economies, if you think about developed markets, but also developing markets. So, um, you know, markets like, like Mexico, you know, record, uh, uh, record low unemployment, some markets in, in, the, in, the, um, in Asia as well. So we're seeing overall very, very good uh, uh, consumer um, behavior, uh, especially when it refers to our categories. And, uh, and that's why we, we raise guidance on our top line. And uh, because of the first factor, we raise guidance on the, second, on, the, uh, on the bottom line as well. Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our next question comes from Darren Moshini with Morgan Stanley. Your line is open. Hey, thanks. Um, so, hey, maybe can we just extend that question a little bit? Um, you mentioned some of the strength in Mexico. International came in very strong in general in the quarter. Obviously, you have a lot of different countries and regions within that and, and two distinct businesses. But just high-level thoughts on what drove the international strength, the state of the consumer internationally, and then I'm thinking particularly about the pricing side of things. Obviously, we're sort of cycling tougher comps going forward globally, not just internationally. But, you know, can you also give us an update on the competitive environment you're seeing around the world heading into a period when, in theory, pricing drops off as, as we cycle these tougher comps? Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you there. There are... There are obviously some markets around the world that are suffering from um, currency situations, and, and, and there we have to adjust to the uh, reality. And I'm talking about uh, Turkey, Pakistan, Egypt, Argentina. So there, there, there's a sub-segment of markets where I would not apply the, uh, the global rule, uh, and we're, we're acting very specifically in those markets. But Beyond those markets overall, we're seeing, um, and I think it's because uh, what I was saying earlier, unemployment levels being very low, we're seeing consumers continue to behave um, in a positive way. Our category penetrations in most of those markets is still relatively low, and we continue to be a, uh, an affordable treat in those markets. So our, our products continue to be part of the, uh, of the repertoire that they can afford, and they make trade-offs. Uh, to stay within our category. So we're, we're seeing that in a very positive way. Now, um, 
competitive wise i think there's there's very rational competition across across the world from what i from what we can observe uh, in the first half of the year uh, both in our snacks and our beverage business and that's what we're assuming in the uh, in the balance of the year thank you one moment for our next question Our next question comes from Lauren Lieberman with Barclays. Your line is open. Great, thanks. Good morning. Um, I wanted to get a little bit more specific around the innovation activity um, that you guys have been pursuing, particularly on, on Curate. Um, so in the U.S. meal data for what it's worth, right, it's just dollar sales. Uh, Lauren, hi. We, we, we cannot hear you very well. You come in. I don't know if it's our, up. You're breaking up. I don't know if it's our phone or it's. Um, mm. Yeah. Okay. You, please, uh, now it seems to be better. Is better. Is it better? A little. A little better. I'll dial back. 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 Our next question comes from Bonnie Herzog with Goldman Sachs. Your line is open. All right. Thank you. Good morning, Ramon and Hugh. I um, wanted to circle back on your guidance. I just had a question on it. it. You know, your new guidance implies, I guess, above algo growth in the second half, but I guess doesn't really imply much bottom line leverage. So I wanted to understand, you know, if there might be some level of conservatism baked in or if you're, you know, planning on stepping up your reinvestments in the second half, or if there are any, you know, incremental headwinds we should be aware of. Thanks. Yeah, great, great question, Bonnie. It's you. Uh, you you're right in that the the balance or the yeah the balance of the year guidance is uh, in effect seven and a half revenue, eight and a half EPS. That that's the squeeze on on the balance of the year. Uh, what what is implied in in the margins are two things. Uh, number one, uh, actually continued strong productivity, and if if you look at where we are year to date, uh, our pricing and our commodities are right in line with each other. So the margin improvement that you saw in the quarter, 132 bips on gross and 45 on net, is entirely driven by productivity, which is reflective of the productivity investments that we've made over the last couple of years in things like digitalization and in automation and in leveraging global business services to standardize how we operate. Uh, that's actually kind of been a pivot this year. And that's a pivot that I think you'll see ongoing, not just in the back half of this year, but actually into 24 and beyond, where we're getting margin improvement out of out of these productivity initiatives. And obviously, the margins are are, are quite good year to date, entirely driven by productivity. In the back half, you'll continue to see that level of of productivity improvement. If if anything, it'll accelerate. Uh, but we are continuing to invest. Uh, we're investing in advertising and marketing and. A&M was up 50 bips in the second quarter. You're, you're going to continue to see us invest in A&M. You're going to continue to see us invest in, in capabilities. And our investment cycles tend to be more back half oriented than they are front half oriented when, when we have a sense as to how the year is going to turn out. So that, that's what you're seeing in the, in the implied guidance in the balance of the year. It's not that the productivity is going to diminish. It's not that the, anything is going on with, with the pricing other than the overlap, effect, uh, overlap effects of pricing. It's really a reflection of the, some of the productivity being reinvested in the back half of the year so that we continue that strong momentum into 24 and beyond. 
Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our next question comes from Vivian Azar with TD Cowan. Your line is open. Hi, good morning. Thank you. I was hoping to actually follow up. Good morning uh, on on Bonnie's question, but just to drill down on um, PDNA margins uh, down a little bit year over year in your prepared remarks, you reiterated your confidence in expanding margins on a full year basis. I was hoping you could just expand on some of the the headwinds that you saw in the quarter and what gives you confidence on the the full year margin outlook for the segment specifically. Thank you. Yeah, hi Vivian, it's you. Uh, the, the margin in PB&A was down in the second quarter. We we had a big gain on on a, an asset uh, transaction in 2022. We're cycling over that trans uh, transaction in 23, and for the full year on PB&A, you'll see the margins up uh, in a healthy way, in uh, north of 100 basis points. Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our next question comes from. Lord Lieberman with uh, Barclays, your line is open. Hi, is this better? Hopefully. Much better. It is. Much better. Okay, cool. I'm still sitting in the same place. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I was going to ask, really sorry about that. I was going to ask about Gatorade. Um, so, tons of innovation activity. You guys have talked about it. We're seeing it very much in the marketplace. And in the release, you talked about Gatorade being up double digits in the quarter. But when we look at Nielsen, it shows something that, you know, significantly trails that. Um, and so was just curious, I guess, about mix of untracked, how much of maybe some of the performance you're seeing has to do with incremental shelf space and distribution, given the breadth of, um, of innovation and new product activity there's been. Yeah, uh, Lauren, I, I, I think the, uh, the, the uh, number, I think there are a couple of factors. Um, the G2DSD has a meaningful impact on timing and when we reflect our sales and when the consumer actually uh, buys uh, compared to previous years. So we're much, the cycle has reduced substantially, even our, our DSD, and that might have some implications on, on, the, uh, on the readings. The, uh, we feel good about the sports category uh, even though it has been cold in some parts of the country uh, for, for the month of June and so on. But, but in general, we think the category is, continues to have you know, healthy metrics in terms of penetration and, and, and usage and everything else. Our innovation, G-Feed, uh, Gatorade, and most importantly for us long-term, our powders and tablets is going very, very well. So we, we, we believe in those, those sub-segments continue to, um, to develop along with G0, which you know, continues to attract new consumers to the category. So we feel good. We're seeing all the execution metrics for Gatorade uh, improving. So in, you know, inventory on display, um, you know, uh, service levels to our customers, which were, were a little bit um, you know, handicapped in the past uh, due to uh, supply chain issues. So we're seeing the health of the brand um, and the category uh, at a pretty good level. It is true that there are some new entrants in the category, like Prime, that have been taken some space, uh, especially with younger audiences. Uh, they've been affecting Gatorade, but they've been affecting more some other brands in the category that had that, that kind of profile. So we feel good about, about the execution. We feel good about how the brand is performing. We, we've increased advertising substantially against Gatorade, and we'll continue to do so in the back end of the, uh, of the, uh, of the summer and, and the year. Uh, so we, we feel good about Gatorade. I think the G2DSD is going to be a structural 
move that will give us better execution and uh, capacity to respond to uh, weather changes and, and, and opportunities in the marketplace um, going forward. Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our next question comes from Andrew Texier with JP Morgan. Your line is open. Hi, good morning, everyone. So my question is, is more on the balance of uh, pricing and volumes, um, obviously overlapping um, some of the most strong price increases from last year. And you're expecting, I would say, are you expecting um, still high single digits in the second half uh, with volumes more flattish or still negative? Uh, because to get to the math of 10%, perhaps, you know, you're lapping Russia, uh, but it seems that the UK and France and Spain have lagged a bit uh, for the top line. So I'm trying to reconcile the implied organic 7.5-ish um, with better volumes. Um, so in other words, you are seeing um, some, um, some improvement there as pricing, um, pricing kind of is off uh, for the consumer, how we should be thinking. Uh, to Ramon's comment on um, on some of the discounters and, and, and that happening, or you're still seeing room for continued pricing, but to a lesser extent, as as you mentioned at CNBC interview. Thank you. I, go ahead, Ramon. Yeah, no, we, we can have Hugh continue the uh, CNBC interview. Hi, Andrea. Yeah, so balance year revenue, the squeeze is seven and a half percent. What I, what I think we're going to see is is volumes will be sort of in the flattish range for for the balance of the year. Um, obviously, there there's still carryover pricing, and and I don't think we'll do anything different than our normal cycles on pricing in the balance of year. You, you tend to see uh, pricing in the beverage business in, in the fourth quarter. Uh, Frito uh, tends not to go in the balance of the year, but that that's TBD. We'll we'll see how the year plays out. Uh, but the implication that we have in the forecast right now is. Uh, kind of back to our relatively more normal pricing, um, and obviously that that sets us up for uh, for 24. I mean, in a lot of ways to think about it as the back half of the year is a little bit ahead of our long-term guidance, which I think is the momentum that we'll carry forward. Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our next question comes from Chris Carey with Wells Fargo Securities. Hi. Good morning. Hey Hugh, um, just just one one quick follow up on the the gross margin. Um, you, you said that uh, the, the pricing uh, tailwinds year to date are, are basically in line or offsetting uh, inflation. I, I I couldn't tell if you said commodity inflation. You know, I, I guess what I see is about 600 basis point benefit from pricing and a 400 basis point headwind from from commodity inflation. So it seems like you're actually tracking ahead. But when you made that comment, was that a was that a total inflation, you know, comment or um, or or is there a a mixed tailwind as well? So maybe price is uh, is actually below what we can see in price mix. So I I just wanted to clarify that. And 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 I guess connected is just you know in the context of full year gross margin, you know, uh, unless there's some offsets, it, it seems like you could see some notable expansion, you know, for the full year, um, you know, am I, am I reading that wrong? That's going to allow you to invest or, or there's some offsets I'm not thinking about. So thanks so much. Yeah. Hey, Chris, it's you. So what I had said was uh, pricing was up exactly in line with, with our commodity inflation. So uh, both, both are in the teens and, and the numbers are, are basically identical. 
so that that obviously is is not driving margin improvement because those those two are essentially offsetting each other. Uh, in terms of the balance of the year margins, you know, we had previously communicated we'd be at least equal with where we were uh, last year. Uh, we're now clearly going to be ahead of where we were last year. So uh, margins will, will improve this year as opposed to the at least equal that we had previously communicated. And, and the driver, of course, behind that is productivity. And, and the things that I've been talking about and Ramona's been talking about for a while, you know, we, we've made these investments in digitalization, we've made these investments in automation, we've been investing in building out a global business services operation. And I think that's the pivot that you see happening inside of our numbers right now is that the margins will improve, I, I think, on a sustained basis, and it'll be driven by productivity and that productivity will come out of those three, three, three buckets. So I, I don't think this is a one or two quarter thing. I think you're going to see margins continue to steadily improve this year and, and into, the, into the coming years. Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our next question comes from Peter Grom with UBS. Your line is open. Thanks, operator, and, and good morning, everyone. So I, I was hoping to get some updated thoughts on the Celsius agreement and kind of what you've learned over the past several months. You know, obviously the growth has been tremendous, but has that outsized growth or better than expected share performance shifted your view as to whether this is the right structure for PepsiCo longer term? And then just, you know, having previously distributed Bang and kind of given the Bang and, and Monster news, do you have any updated thoughts as to whether this could impact the growth trajectory for Celsius looking ahead? Thanks. Yeah, good, um, good morning. Listen, uh, I think there, there's a couple of um, realizations on, on this. The number one is that the um, the power of our distribution system, uh, our DSD machine in, in the U.S., is very powerful. And um, obviously you can see by the increase in the uh, numerical distribution and the quality of execution. So that, that's one element that makes us feel very strong about our capabilities in, in the U.S. beverages. Second, I think Celsius is a uh, is a brand that um, is capturing new consumers to the uh, energy category, consumers that were not um, consuming uh, energy drinks for many reasons in the past, flavor or image or uh, some other elements. That is that is a positive. The category keeps expanding, and we're, we're glad that that's in our portfolio. And we're uh, we're working together with Celsius to see uh, additional international opportunities. Whether we can expand the brand in some other some other um, markets, especially uh, more developed markets where the category is a bit a bit uh, more developed. Th those are the, the three conclusions that we're taking from from our relationship so far. You're right. Then the only thing I'd add is we're we're very happy with with the investment we've made, and, and we feel very comfortable where we are with the with that company right now. I think we're both benefiting from each other's capabilities. Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our next question comes from Robert Ottenstein with Evercore ISI. Your line is open. Great. Thank you very much, and congratulations on another terrific quarter. Um, I, I wonder if we could focus uh, on an area we haven't spent that much time talking about in the past, uh, but is really doing well, and that's, and that's Europe. And maybe perhaps parse out for us, um, you know, or remind us, you know, the business mix in Europe between, between snacks and beverages, uh, and then, you know, talk a little bit about 
why, how the business is doing so well, you know, very significant pricing. I know you had relatively easy comps. And whether you think that there are structural long-term changes in the pricing dynamics in Europe. I mean, for many years, Europe was, was very deflationary uh, and extremely tough retail. I'm sure a lot of that persists, but there, you know, are, are there clues here that maybe there are structural changes in that environment that can go forward? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, yes, good, good, uh, good, good diagnostic. The fact that our, our European business clearly has had a, a terrific uh, first half of the year, and uh, we're expecting that to continue in the second half. Um, a couple of elements. I think we, we have a portfolio that is quite robust on the uh, on the snack side. We have very good uh, market positions in snacks, and we have uh, good challenging positions in, in in beverages. And our zero propositions in Europe are 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 growing very fast, and they're taking market share in in some of the more um, you know, more affluent markets in in Europe. So. Good portfolio mix and and good focus by the team on on growing that that portfolio. As you said, we were a little bit late to pricing last year in 22, and and, and the team has been courageous and has been able to find win-win solutions with our customers in in 23. So, uh, you know, as you see from the numbers, uh, good pricing levels. But what is also very remarkable in in Europe is the levels of productivity that the team has been executing through simplification of the business and everything else that Hugh was saying about digitalization and uh, automation and um, you know, also moving, moving some service to, um, to, um, to essential points that we can service the businesses more effectively, more efficiently. So a, a good work by the European team, both on portfolio management simplification and then in, in driving productivity. So we, we feel, feel good about, about Europe. We have very strong uh, business in, um, in both uh, Central Europe, uh, you know, Eastern Europe, and 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 parts of the, uh, the economy that are growing faster. So we, we feel good about the portfolio composition and and the uh, and the business going forward. Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our next question comes from Stephen Powers with Deutsche Bank. Your line is open. Great. Thanks and good morning. Um, you know, maybe putting a, a final bow around Brian's original top line question. I guess Hugh, the, the volume cadence that you implied a little earlier, um, you know, down two percent or so in the first half based on results reported to date, and if I heard you correctly, flattish in the second half. How, how does that compare with your outlook coming into the year? Because I guess just stepping back, I'm trying to get a better sense of whether the, the four points of upside you now see in organic growth versus that February forecast is more driven by better volumes or whether the upside is really driven by greater than a greater than expected price mix realization or, or whether it's some kind of combination. Thanks. Yeah, I see you. Good morning. Uh, it, it's a combination. Uh, volumes are, are certainly a, a bit better than, than we expected. Uh, and, and price realization is a little better than we expected as well. So it's a combo. It, it's, it's not dominant one or the other. Yeah. And I would say the, um, uh, the, the commercial teams have done a great job in minimizing elasticity. So going into the year, of course, we were assuming a, a level of elasticity that was more based on historical levels. I think we've been 
positively surprised on the strength of the brands in some markets and obviously, as I said earlier, the consequence of the investment we've been making. But, but the way the teams have executed innovation, have executed uh, range expansion, um, you know, multiple uh, displays around the store, and, and some of the tactics we normally use to drive volume and minimize elasticities have been really well, well executed. I, I think it's, it, we link it as well to as being a more intelligent company in a broader sense, having better data, having better digitalization and, and execution capabilities. So it is all connected. And uh, yeah, we, we, we feel good about, about how the business performed in that, in, that, in that respect versus what we had initially uh, planned. Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our next question comes from Filippo Filoni with City. Your line is open. Hey, good morning, everyone. Um, quick question on uh, Frito-Lay North America. Um, clearly very strong results in the quarter. Um, but over the last couple of weeks, we have seen a bit of a slowdown in track channels. So the first question is, what do you think is driving the, the recent slowdown? Uh, partly is obviously cycling high price realization, but also uh, just general sense on what you're seeing from a volume standpoint. And then also, why are you seeing untracked channels uh, in that business? Thank you. Yeah, the uh, Frito Lay is having a tremendous uh, year again on, on top of a very good uh, 22, and it's it's been driven by um, our large brands performing very well, uh, linking to what I said earlier about com very strong brand programs and commercial programs. Um, the uh, the away from home business and the small store independent business where there is a lot of impulse consumption is not really reflected normally by uh, a lot of the reports that you probably seen so that might be a gap there and obviously in the summer this is very relevant as people move around more so but uh, we're, we're seeing uh, the only thing we're seeing in Frito Lay in the last few weeks is the lapping versus the P6 uh, price increase we did last year so that's the only element. Uh, everything else, we're seeing a much better um, supply chain, so our service levels to our key customers is improving a lot. Uh, that's good news because we were uh, a little bit handicapped in the uh, in last year and, and first half of this year. We're seeing much broader portfolios, so the smaller SKUs that drive, uh, we know they drive frequency and they drive uh, penetration in some some, some sub-consumers. So we're seeing a lot of positive trends. Some of our innovation, if you think about minis or if you think about some of the uh, um, new launches like uh, the jerky product or, or, um, or, or our uh, relaunch of the nuts and seeds, uh, our permissible portfolio, they're, they're really doing very well along with our big brands. So we, we feel good about the portfolio composition and the, um, the continued executional capabilities of, of Frito to drive uh, availability universally almost. So, Feeling good about the business. Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our last question comes from Gerald Pascarelli with Wigo Securities. Your line is open. Hi. Thanks very much for the question. Um, mine's also on energy drinks, specifically regarding near-term distribution opportunities. Um, you've obviously been a great partner for Celsius since you took over distribution of their products, which has been readily apparent in measure channels, but Looking forward, how do you think about the opportunity to penetrate some of the non-measure channels that have yet to scratch the surface, specifically related to food service, like college campuses, as an example? 
Um, I mean, the comprehensive rollout of these products, something we should expect in the back half of this year, or is that more of a 2024 opportunity? I guess any incremental color you could provide on timing and then the potential halo effect that Celsius could have on your legacy portfolio of energy products would be helpful. Thank you. Yeah, listen, uh, we, we, we take uh, our energy products along with the rest of the portfolio where, where it makes sense, right? So uh, some of the channels you're mentioning, like college uh, universities, they are very large channels for our energy uh, execution, right? So when you go to a, a normal campus, you will see a Rockstar, you will see Celsius, you will see our coffee business, you will see, um, you know, the new... Uh, the new uh, Gatorade Energy uh, Fast Switch. So, you know, you will see all this execution. Though, wherever there are consumers that are looking for energy, we, we tend to be there. So uh, we're, we're not holding um, on any opportunities at this point uh, to maximize the reach of our brand. So, uh, no, don't, 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 don't wait for 24. We're, we're executing as we speak. Great. Thanks. So I think this, this is the end of the uh, of the of the conversation. Th thank you very much. Uh, thank you all of you for joining us uh, today, and and especially for the confidence that you've placed in us with your with your investments. We hope that you have a great summer and stay safe and healthy. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's presentation. You may now disconnect and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, everyone. You're welcome.